The following is a Talking Buds podcast special presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, the bar is open. Come on in and join the Buds for a Maple Leafs postseason pint. My friend Harry and I would uh, like to buy you guys a round of beers. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Better late than never. Welcome to the third postseason pint. Ryan, a big Game 3 victory last night. We were in the building. I don't know if you can tell my voice still hasn't fully recovered. What an atmosphere last night. Yeah, finally to see the Scotiabank Arena have some atmosphere being in the building. It was I haven't been to a playoff game since I was a little kid, so it was nice to actually show up to the arena and have a crowd that was into it, and it just pulls you into it, too. Like, I'll admit, if I, when I'm there for a regular season game, I criticize the fans, but it, you kind of you kind of just sit there quiet, too, because everyone else is sitting there. But last night, everyone with the towels, everyone with the cheers and chirping some Bruins fans, everyone got pulled into it, and it was easily the best atmosphere I've ever been in in that building. I don't think we need to go through the game. Anyone who's listening watched the game last night. But, Ryan, in honor of the victory, cheers. Oh, yeah. Unexpected, so, to say the least. So, we'll talk about it and go over some highlights and what have. But let's talk about first, before the game, Nazem Kadri suspension coming down. No number attached to it. They just said, you're done for the rest of the series. And, like, kind of unique. I've never heard of them doing that before. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of, let's get him out of the series before he gets killed by someone on the Bruins. Or he goes out and does something stupid and hurts another guy. So, it is kind of weird. And everyone just loves talking about suspensions and what he should get. I thought he'd get, like, six or seven games. But the rest of the first round is a pretty fair punishment for for Nazem Kadri because now he's got to sit up there in the press box and watch his team try to bail him out and win this series so he can hop back in in the second round. So overall, not really surprised. Guy with a history. He's been suspended a couple times before. So no surprise there for me. Let's talk about some um, just some key things that stood out for myself and you last night. I want to start with the fourth line. I thought Gautier... Moore and Ennis were excellent last night. They brought the energy. Moore ended up getting the first goal. They were the Leafs' best line offensively in the first period, I thought. Yeah, they would. Yeah, man, they worked. And honestly, like every time Tyler Ennis hops in there, like something positive usually happens. And you hope if they make it to the second round that it, when Kadri comes back, that he, it's going to be hard for him to stay in the lineup. But man, he get he makes that line better and makes that line go. And Trevor Moore is slowly but surely becoming everyone's darling in the city because he's always working hard. He's always forward checking. He's got some skill and he chipped in last night. 
And man, when you get contributions from your fourth line, that is some good news for your hockey team and the potential of winning a playoff series. If they get into a situation in the offseason where they have to move on from a Connor Brown or even if they have to move on from a, a Kapanen or a Janssen, it's more makes you feel better if that were to happen. Oh, 100%. Because of how well he's played. And I think, yeah, you haven't seen the skill yet, but if you just watch him play, stick handle around and play with the puck, like you can tell he's not he's not Frederick, he's not Freddie the Goat skill. Like the guy's got some skill he's got some speed and he works hard and that's something the city falls in love with a guy who constantly works hard every single hockey game so that that's a great point because that's probably gonna happen in the future second point to go over the Leafs power play got going last night Austin Matthews and Andreas Janssen well first and foremost the referees decided they were actually going to do their job last night yeah and pulled the whistles out, called some penalties against Boston, and the Leafs made them pay twice with goals from Matthew and Janssen. Yeah, we've been talking about it all year, man. Like, I've been so hard on their power play because it should be one of the best in the league. And even though statistically it was it was still one of the best in the league, with the guys they have on there, it should be even better than that. It should be, the expectation should be higher. And earlier in the year, they said, Mike Babcock, that they'll get back on teams by scoring on the power play. And that wasn't the case for the second half of the season. It really struggled. They couldn't convert. Hard time getting in the zone. Giving up shorthanded goals. But last night, if you want to win a big boy series in a big boy hockey game, once you get those opportunities on the power play, you have to cash. And working hard down low, finally on the power play. And like none of the goals were off that Mitch Marner setup slap pass. They were all just... Hard work, get the puck in front of the net to an open guy, and bing, bang, boom, two goals in the power play. And that's a difference in a playoff game, man. When you capitalize on those opportunities, and a guy like Austin Matthews can get off the snide, and Andreas Janssen stepping well, in for Nazem Kadri. The Janssen goal was nice. That was a dangle. Yeah, he and Kadri, it. Yeah, Kadri's gone, so Janssen gets a chance to step in. Notice it wasn't William Nylander who stepped in. It was Andreas Janssen, and... He got an assist and a goal on both power plays that they capitalized on. So, man, like if they if they can, can just capital, capitalize like once a game or get some great chances on a power play, like you can just see the difference it makes towards them winning a hockey game. Like they, they got to keep it, it up. And it messes with the way the Bruins want to play. The Bruins can't go out there and start running around because if they take a penalty, the Leafs are going to make them pay for it. And the problem with the Leafs, too, all year is they, they didn't draw any penalties because they weren't working hard enough to draw penalties or playing physical enough. And I thought the Leafs were were as physical as they could possibly be last night. Like that That's probably as physical you the Maple Leafs could get. And look what happened. You got a couple power plays, and when you score, it's a huge difference, and they win the hockey game. That Austin Matthews Selly. Nobody on the team sells better than him, in my opinion. Yeah, he well, he needed that man. Like he he needed that goal so bad. Like he just that's gonna hopefully it carries over. But he needed that one badly, and he got it. And it wouldn't be normal if we didn't point out Mitch Marner, who like I must have watched the clip of him blocking those two shots fifty times today. Yeah, oh, yeah, just unreal. What a what a warrior! What a leader! Yeah, unreal. Like, just that's what you got to do, man. Like, 
I don't care if you're the best player on your team or the worst player on your team. When you got a chance to block a shot to win a hockey game in the playoffs, you take it. And he showed it wasn't one of those. I'm getting out of the way and the puck hit me like he put his face in front of that puck and he would do anything to make sure that thing does not go to his net. And he did that. And when you watch your one of your best players do that, and a guy who's going to make a whack of money, one of your leaders do that. It's like. Yes, like this is that's playoff hockey right there. So Mitchie again comes up huge. Do you think this is kind of what I wanted to gear uh, this episode around today? Do you think that there's been a shift in that the Bruins are the it doesn't seem like going into the series we talked about the psychological advantage that the Bruins had over the Leafs and through and the Leafs two wins in this series. I haven't seen it. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen a team yeah. that looks way more confident and way more comfortable. Dudes game last night. Like we were in the, like I didn't really recount a Boston Bruin, like laying a huge hit. No, it was, it was the opposite. Like they're like, almost asleep. Like, yeah, it was a close game and they had their chances, but like, I, I don't remember a huge Bruin hit. No, it was it was the opposite. Like they, the Leafs were all over David Pasternak last night. Anytime he touched the puck, and you wonder if that was something that Babcock sort of zeroed in on in the pregame meeting. Is this is a guy we really got to pressure and lay the body on? Because Hyman took a few runs at him, Muzzin took a few runs at him, and every time he touched the puck, the Leafs just swarmed him. Yeah, and it, it was the Leafs who upped the physicality last night, in my opinion. Hyman dumped Chara. It was amazing. Yeah, and Riley, th- even Morgan Riley threw a couple hits. Like, and you you don't have to be the smartest hockey guy or the highest paid coach in the NHL to know that you have to stop David Pasternak, the most skilled player, pure skilled hockey player on the Boston Bruins. Like, I I could tell you that. So it's actually going out and executing it that that was their issue. And last night, every chance they got to hit him, they did. And look what happened. And you talk about Mitch Marner, like, yeah, the off he hasn't had that line hasn't had a ton of five on five offense, but you look at the difference with John Tavares and Mitch Marner matched up against that top line. Oh, even, it's a huge difference. Even, Ryan, yeah. that's the biggest difference between last year and this year is John Tavares canceling out Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, and it's it's even if they don't contribute offensively five on five, if you can hold that top line one of the best lines in hockey off the score sheet like you're doing your job because you should the Maple Leafs should have enough forward depth to score enough goals to win a hockey game and if they just have to play a shutdown role if you shut down that top line you're gonna beat the Boston Bruins and that's what they're doing and John Tavares winning face-off after face-off against Bergeron one of the best face-off men in the league is absolutely huge I'd be remiss if we moved on from talking about this game and didn't talk about Freddie Anderson. My voice, like I said, still hasn't recovered from chanting Freddie at the top of my lungs. Just, he made a save last night with his blocker and the butt end of his stick that was just like, it's unbelievable. Oh, he was the most popular guy in the building last night. Oh, 100%. Like, he got the loudest cheers. He got all the chants. Like, and like, it almost goes without saying at this point how good he is. Like, it's like a broken record coming on here and talking about how solid Freddie Anderson was. And he was again He's been last great night through three games and has outplayed Tuka Rask in every single one of those games. Yeah. And just, just think about the joke of goalies that this franchise has had over the past 
decade. Like mm-hmm. to finally have a guy you can rely on. Like it's, it's, it feels good, man. It feels good to have a goalie that you can chant his name in a building. And he, he's, he gives everyone else confidence. So should we keep this episode completely positive or should we troll the William Nylander fans a little bit? Well, you can do whatever you want. I'll, I'll just say flat out right now. I thought William Nylander was kind of inconsequential last night. Like, I don't think he was horrible, but he that line wasn't great. And it, it, it like centering that line, Brown has kind of struggled all year. Marlowe's kind of struggled all year. So you put those three guys together. Me personally, I was not expecting much, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip him for last night. I thought last night he was just kind of there, didn't do anything super well, positive or negative. It's disappointing that he's played himself into like the. I look at him the same way I look at like a Zaitsev, in that if I don't notice you, then that means you didn't make any boneheaded plays, and it's fine. Yeah, and you you had a fine game. When he should be, you should be noticing him all over the ice. What do you think of the people who say that Babcock should put more in Innis with Nylander and move Marlowe and Brown down with the goat? I I don't. Mike's going to do what Mike wants to do and what Mike thinks is best for his hockey team. Anyone who thinks Mike Babcock is putting Patty Marlowe on the fourth line, you're going to be waiting a while. Yeah, if you think Mike Babcock, like, gives a shit about what any fan has to say about the way he puts his lineup together, like, there's no way. way. So don't even, like, I get we're all fans, we have our narratives, we want to talk about the game, but, like, you're, you're almost wasting your time at this point trying to piece together a lineup for Mike Babcock's team. Like, Mike is going to do what Mike wants to do, and that period, end of story. So I don't even think about that at this point. All right, let's talk a little bit about Game 4. Goes Wednesday night, Scotiabank Arena. Obviously, the Bruins are going to have a response. I think the Leafs have the advantage being at home. Babcock gets to utilize his matchups. And if they can take this game, Ryan, and take a stranglehold in the series, then that... Like, honestly, because if, if you can take this game tomorrow, you can go in, even if you go into Boston and lose game five, then you still have a chance to win at home in game six. So I think tomorrow is like, it's imperative. Like, all year the Leafs have been inconsistent in that they, they follow up a really good game with like kind of a stinker no-show game. That can't happen on Wednesday night. They have to put the their foot right on the Bruins' throat and take a stranglehold of this series. Yeah, and th- but if they did that, if they go up 3-1 or even take any sort of lead in this series and the Bruins have to face an elimination hockey game, that puts this core group in a position they've never been in before, being on top and trying to finish a series. And if they do get up then and they blow it and they and they lose, then that's that's on them, you know? But I'd rather see them in a position of strength and trying to finish a series because it's very challenging to do. But I would way rather see that than try to battle our way back like we did last year. So tomorrow night, you're going to have to expect another game two effort from the Bruins. They're not, I don't think they're going to come out like they did last night, but it's, it's all about going to be weathering the storm early because they're going to be flying because they, they know the Bruins know the effort they put in last night I'm sure Cassidy's all over them, and I'm sure Zidane's all over them. So you're seeing like an interesting sort of inconsistency with the Bruins. Eh? It's like game two, 
Jake DeBrusque was everywhere, hitting everybody, causing trouble with everybody. And I barely noticed him last night. And same thing with Marchand. It's like Marchand had the one thing where he got in Zaitsev's face. But outside of that, it's like I barely noticed him. Yeah, well, it just, yeah, it was a weird dynamic. Like you expect them to come out and just like, just run over the Leafs and just throw their weight around. But it's the opposite last night. Like the Leafs were just being as physical as they can. And the Bruins didn't really have an answer. But like, I don't want to, like the game wasn't a blow. Like we were still on our toes in the third period. Like, you know, oh, like my God. they didn't have their best game. But at the end, we were still like freaking out. Like well, they're going to blow this. Like, here we go again. Like. And we're wow, dude! Like it, it, it's it's. I don't expect the Bruins to come out next game and play like they did last night in Game Three. So the well, Leafs I'm are hoping, gonna have to weather the storm. I'm hoping the end of Game Three with Marner blocking those shots because if you watch that clip before anyone goes to Freddie Anderson when they come off the bench, they go right to Marner, and I'm hoping that serves as like a galvanizing moment for the team. Yeah. And brings them all together and inspires them. I'd be like, here's one of your smaller, skilled guys literally throwing his body in front of slap shots to preserve a win. Like, there's some guys on that bench who would, would serve them well to see that. Oh, yeah. So, you just can't get, they can't get too, like, yeah, confidence is key and you want, you want to feel good going into the hockey game. But you can't, you can't go into next game riding too high or else... Like, we know what can happen if the Bruins show up and the Leafs don't. Like, this series is tied up quickly. So, I, I'm not going to read in too much of last night. I'm just happy that they took a series lead. Was not expecting that at all coming into this series. So, the fact that it even happened. 2-1. Yeah, it's pretty... I was going to say that, too. I, I, I saw a scenario where they would be behind, you know, maybe two games and have to battle back. But to be up 2-1 is pretty... I don't think... Most people saw this coming. I, I did not expect that at all. And regardless of how it happened, those three games are gone. I'm happy they're up. And now you just got to keep, like, the playoffs. You just, everything that happens, that game and the game ends, you just got to throw it away and just immediately move on to the next game and just keep plugging away because the Bruins are going to show up at some point. They're not going to play like they did last night for the rest of the series. So they got to be ready, man. Like, they got to be ready to keep playing their game, keep playing hard, keep skating. Like, the difference between them last night and game two is, like, they're just constantly skating. moving their feet last night. Yeah, skating, 100%. You know, like, it's just, the, when they're, I know it sounds ridiculous, like, they're o- like they're always skating, but, like, when they're really skating and really putting in effort and really... And first on pucks. Yeah, and have first intensity. Pucks, yeah. Like, you could, yeah. you could yeah. feel the intensity last night that they had. Like, they wanted to come out and send a, not send a message, but, like, be like, we're here to play tonight. Like, we're gonna throw the body as much as we can. We're gonna forecheck hard, and and they 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 did it last night. Like they they pulled it off. They executed it, and that's what can happen if they show up. But we know how inconsistent this hockey team is. So they could show up tomorrow and be brutal. So let's hope that they 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 bring their game one and game three effort tomorrow night. Any last observations before we do bombs and beauties? Um, I'll save my, I'll save some negative, I'll save a negative for the, for the bum part, but just, just overall, just, it's nice to see this hockey team actually show up for two of the three games so far, because I was not expecting that at all. All right, let's do it then. Hit the music. 
It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. Bum of the game, beauty of the game. Ryan, you just teased us, so you go first. Who is your bum of the game? Uh, my bum of the game is Jake Gardner. Uh, for a guy who's supposedly so important to this hockey team, I think he's their sixth t- defenseman right now. Like, if if you was to rate all the D-men right now, he's sixth for me. And I know he just came off an injury, and I don't know if that's still ailing him. I, I know it's tough to come back, but he looks like a shell of his former self. And he his skating looks yeah. awful. He's not. I was going to ask you that. Do you think? Do you think it's still like he? There was talks about him having surgery. So like, do you think he's he's a hundred percent? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And maybe it's that, unfair, that, but like I I, can, I don't know. You know, like you never know. But just to me, it's sad watching him because I I thought coming in he was gonna just you know he always kind of showed up for the play. I know game seven was awful, but. He was always been a pivotal part of their playoff runs, and you always notice him. He always relied on heavily, and with the injury or not, I just think his it's just his skating, man. Like he, he looks so bad out there. Like he can not win a race to the puck, and when be, he does win a race, back. he gets hit off the puck immediately, and he can't. His passing isn't good. He's not breaking the puck out. Like he's just I don't know. He's not there offensively. So, Jake Gardner, you're my bum of the game, and I feel like every general manager who is watching this series and is going to potentially pay this guy $6 million plus better better be warned watching this series because... That pairing gets him and Dermot, and everyone knows how you and I feel about Travis Dermot, but that, that pairing gets a little dicey for me at times. Yeah. And I, I thought Dermot was decent last night. Like I noticed him a lot. He made some good plays, but just Jake Gardner, like I'm just, I'm almost just sad to see the way he's playing. Cause I know he's a polarizing hockey player, but I've always been kind of in the middle. Like I understand the type of player he is and his negatives and his positives, but I just think like he just, he just looks like a shell of his former self in this series and he does not look good at all. So he he is my bum of the game. I'm not going to pick on William Nylander. So I'm going to make my bum of the game that entire third line. I just, I don't know. Like Patrick Marlowe, it's like, it's at the point with Marlowe where it, you just got to face reality. Like it's, it's over, bud. Like he can still skate pretty well, but like in his he's just not effective out there and neither is Connor Brown. So it like yes, you and I dog Willie all the time, but like you've got like you talk about two anchors. Yeah, that man. That he's got like, on his wings. Yeah. So that that third line for me is just I I need I don't I don't even know. Like I I want to say like I I hope to see more from them, but He's got Brown and Marlowe on his wings. What can what can he really do? So yeah, it's it's a tough go for that line. Three guys who've just all been struggling all year. And and they're not bums. Like they're all skilled. Like Marlowe's kind of past past his due date, but like you expect more from William Nylander and Connor Brown, and they just haven't given you it this year. So watching them last night, like they were I didn't even notice them half the time. No, I didn't notice them either. Which, which, like, they weren't doing... They didn't really blow anything. Like, they didn't make any awful mistakes, but they didn't really contribute much either. Agreed. 
All right, beauty of the game. All right, my beauty of the game is Morgan Riley. No. Um, it's the board choice. It's like Morgan Riley with a hint of Babcock. Wow. Because wow. Mike Babcock makes it into the beauty category. That's got to be a talking buds first. Because I I watch, I, I, I looked at the box score after the game, and I see Morgan Riley at 28 minutes. And when I see that, it just brings a big smile to my face. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a workhorse, that's man. Yeah, that's that's yeah that that's workhorse minutes. That that's almost half the game you're on the ice. Like, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what number one defensemen do. And I I hate people who say Morgan Riley's not a number one defenseman. I I disagree. I think he is. I think he's tremendous. And finally, Mike Babcock just took the rain. Like took took the. I don't know how to phrase it. Just let him loose, you know, like gave him all the ice time he needed. Let your horse work. And I thought he threw some nice hits last night. And he's, I think he's easily the best skater of the puck on the Maple Leafs. So let's take a look at, let's take a look at some ice time now that you brought it up. Yep. Riley 2758 was by far the leader in ice time behind him, much to the chagrin of the haters. Ronald Hainsey. Yeah, twenty two, twenty nine. Which like you, those guys are gonna get that that pairing is gonna get the most minutes. Mitch Marner twenty three twelve. Jake Muzzin twenty oh eight. John Tavares nineteen forty five. Austin Matthews nineteen thirty four. Zaitsev twenty forty six. Yeah. So yeah, I I just. I just think I, I you you need to ride your top guy in the playoffs, and Morgan Riley can handle it, man. And yeah, he there, sure can. There's no one I enjoy watching skate with the puck than Morgan Riley. I I just love the guy, so he's my beauty of the game. Okay, my beauty of the game for obvious reasons is Mitch Marner for blocking those two shots. What a warrior! But I would like to extend honorable mentions to Andreas Janssen. Jake Muzzin, Zach Hyman, Freddie Anderson, John Tavares, and I think that's and you know what Nikita Zaitsev because Zaitsev. Do I heard an interesting point today that Zaitsev has played better since they've put him with Muzzin. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I well, I I I just think the playoffs kind of help as well, like. Jake Muzzin's won a Stanley Cup before, so he's got some experience to to play on. But I just think Zaitsev being forced into a more prominent role is it's it just kind of upped his game a little bit. He still scares me with the puck in his own zone. Like, there's no doubt about that. But I like his physicality down low in his own zone, and and he's not afraid to like. He's not a big guy. He doesn't throw huge hits. But he, he was in Marchand's face last night at one point, like. I just think being forced into a prominent role it kind of forces you to step up your game a little bit. So I think that that's helping him. I would 100% agree with you on that. And on that note, Ryan, we will wrap up postseason pint number three. We will be back again after game four, hopefully in a cheerful mood. What a roller coaster ride these three shows have been. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. We're on the peak now. This and are is, we gonna stay yeah. riding a high, or are we gonna come crashing down like in number two? I think I'm two. a little more level-headed 
on this one because game one was game one, game two was game two. And now you know that they they, they scared me in game two. Like I thought that was kind of like, okay, here comes the Bruins. And then last night they come out and play well. So you just never know what's going to happen in these hockey games. And it's all about and whatever happened last game has nothing to do with the next game. So it's all about, you'll know as soon as they drop the puck and the effort that they're showing in the first couple minutes of that game tomorrow night. And you'll, you'll, you'll know right away if they're in it or not. All right. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. After being in the building last night and watching that in person and getting swept up and getting caught up and riding the high and all that, my expectations have shifted. Going into this series, I, like you, was pretty pessimistic and was like, this isn't a good matchup. The Bruins are going to run us out of the rink. We can't hang with their physicality. Through three games, Ryan, I believe we can beat this team and the Maple Leafs can win this series. I believe it. My expectations have shifted. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's get it done. these last guys night, out. Yeah. We were walking out of the building last night just listening to everyone cheer, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, being like, they they could actually get this done if they continue playing the way they're playing. Like, it's not going to be easy. No, with all due respect to the, to the Raptors and the Blue Jays and TFC, there's no collective high in this city like a Maple Leaf playoff victory high. Because it's been so rare. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. so rare. Like, we're just starving. Like, we're starving for it. So, I, 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 this is, they're not going to win the next two games and the series is going to be over. That's not happening. So, it's going to be a fight to the end. And you just hope that they continue with the effort they put in in games one and three. And you just hope I think that tomorrow, they bring it. Tomorrow, I said this earlier, tomorrow is so important. Let's get the win. Or for most of you, you who will probably be listening to this in the morning, tonight, game four, Wednesday night, is so important because if you can get another win at home, then it's not like a do or die scenario in... Because the worst thing is if you lose game four and then you got to go to Boston for game five. Yeah, it's the best like two out of three and it's back yeah. to the Bruins having home ice advantage. That's not what you want. So... Even if you if you pick up a win tomorrow, even if you lose game five, you're still making the Bruins have to come back here and win again in your barn. Tomorrow is so important. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this show, Wednesday night is so important. Yeah, well, I think I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You, you win, you go up 3-1, and that's... No lead is safe with the Leafs and Bruins, but... It's. It, I would way rather be in that position than any other position. And with that, that'll do it for postseason point number three. We will see you guys after game four. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.
The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.